the drive to create things. You want to make things happen with your words, your art, your music, and your life. But being creative in the midst of daily life is hard. When there are a million worries and responsibilities taking up space in your brain, you might start to wonder if it's really possible to make room for creativity in your life. Here at the Chasing Creative Podcast, we believe you can. We're everyday creatives who are trying to figure it out right alongside you. We don't have all the answers, but we believe it's always worth the struggle to find room for your unique creativity in your life and in the world. I'm Ashley Brooks, a freelance writer and editor and a work-at-home mom of three. I'm a daily knitter and a sporadic writer, currently focused on sending out a monthly-ish newsletter called Creatively Yours and cobbling together enough words to finish my novel. And I'm Abigail Krebs, an avid home cook and sometimes writer and photographer over at Inkwells and Images. I'm also a work-at-home mom of two, learning to balance work and home and trying to find a little bit of time to do something just for fun, or even really just sit down. And you're listening to the Chasing Creative Podcast. We're here in episode five of season seven, and we've got Kayla Craig with us today. We invited Kayla on because we both long admired her heart for protecting and advocating for the people more vulnerable than herself, and we think she uses her creative gifts to do just that. We really wanted to talk about how she does it. So Kayla is a writer and a podcast producer who believes in the power of story. She writes modern prayers for moms and dads at liturgies for parents, and her book is forthcoming with Tyndale in 2021. Kayla co-founded and hosts Upside Down Podcast, a place for conversations on faith and justice. She's a podcast producer for Sacred Ordinary Days, where she helps cultivate peace, presence, and purpose. Kayla loves deep mugs of coffee, deeper belly laughs, and even deeper questions. She and her pastor husband, Johnny, live in Iowa, where they are raising four young kids who join their family via birth and adoption. She has two fluffy dogs and spends too much time on Instagram. I think we're all a little guilty there. <laughs> her most recent published essays are in a book titled This is Motherhood, a motherly collection of reflections and practices, and a second book titled Rally, Litanies for the Lovers of Jesus and Justice. So thank you so much for taking a night here, Kayla, to join us. I am so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yeah, we have both long been following you on Instagram. I feel like I've been following you since I, I was a late adopter to Instagram, but I feel like you've always been there. You must have been one of the first people I followed. Um, and it's your words are always very uplifting and encouraging, especially in a time when things feel crazy. So would you mind sharing with us how you got started creating and sharing things on the internet? Yeah, that's such a good question. And I love that somehow you haven't managed to get rid of me. <laughs> in your no, I wouldn't want to. <laughs> well, thank you. That's really generous of you to say. I studied journalism in college. So I have been writing online ever since college. Um, and I was thinking about thinking about kind of how I got started. And I thought about when I was in college, there was the print magazine. Um, I was a magazine journalism major. And then there was the online magazine, which was new. It was this whole <laughs> new thing. And you could be on staff for print or online. 
and I was assigned to be an editor online and I thought, what is this? Nobody's going to read anything online. (laughs) (laughs) It's just how funny, you know, I, I don't think any of us could have ever imagined that print would just continue to kind of be dying out in some ways, which I think is really sad, but um, the internet has just kind of totally changed the media sphere and, and how we write and how we read. And so I, um, I was like an early adopter to Twitter when Twitter started. Um, I, I've just kind of always been there. I had um, a blog that I think I started in 2009, a uh, year after I got married, that was so random. It was, it had no purpose in any way. And I was like, here's a pumpkin cupcake recipe I liked. Here's a random picture that I saw on the internet somewhere that I'm not going to attribute. (laughs) Just just anything. And then I started writing a little bit about faith and kind of this learning I was doing in my own journey. Um, And that kind of led to a more serious uh, form of blogging. And I had a blog called Many Sparrows. And then I became a mom and I shared about adoption and and growing our family and just kind of my journey. And I'm a verbal processor and I also process through writing, which I'm sure both of you mm-hmm. can relate to. And that was just kind of my way to process and connect in the world that I was finding myself in as I was sometimes working full-time. And then as I add in more children, (laughs) I I became a freelancer. And so that was another way to just stay connected and try to keep honing um, my writing. And then I kind of joined the podcast world. And then I got burnt out on blogging because I started just feeling that I feel like, you know, how they say there was like a bubble in mm-hmm. um, 2000. I feel like there was like a blog bubble where everyone was kind of like, what were we doing? Yeah. <laughs> and it, I, um, you know, I had sponsors and I kind of, you know, monetized it and made it a job. And then I felt really super burnt out and kind of stepped away from that and wanted to do more um blogging and writing from the heart and less just selling, um, you know, laundry detergent and taking cute pictures of my kids, which, (laughs) you know, there's nothing wrong with, but I wanted to just become more intentional as I matured in to my faith and motherhood and how I saw the world. And so that's kind of how I've landed here. Yeah, I think a lot of us go through that. I mean, those almost like growing pains. I feel like we all went through the blog growing pains if you were on the internet at Mm -hmm. all in the 2010s. And we did kind of all see the rise of blogs where everybody was just a person sharing their favorite things into they became like super branded and super targeted and all of those kinds of things. And it did. It got exhausting. And I think there's just a whole bunch of us that just kind of opted out all about the same time, conveniently when Instagram was coming on the scene. So we kind of all just <laughs> migrated and put our energy yeah. elsewhere. But um, I know as long as I've known you on the internet, and I think Ashley would say the same, you've always been an advocate for vulnerable people, which seems to come with the Enneagram 8 territory. So have you 
always acted on this desire to be an advocate for others? And how has that maybe changed over the last few years of, as things have become like so apparent that people need to be advocated for, I guess? Mm. I, I'm honored that you would say that because I feel so often that um, there's a lot more growth that I could do in that area. Um, but I think there is just a part of what I see following Jesus is caring for the vulnerable, listening, mutuality, kinship, um, seeing the most marginalized and the most oppressed and seeing the image of God in them. Um, to me, that that then fuels anything I do in, in my writing or podcasting or creating is that um, I just want to be where God is. And I think God is with the downtrodden. And, you know, we, we see that all throughout scripture. And so that is, um, I think, something that propels me um, and helps me be a listener as you know, a journalist, you're always trying to pay attention and, and stay curious and listen. And then when you can do that, then you can fuel what you've learned and tell the truth and try to be truthful in the most honest and honoring way. And I think I've tried to bring that in with me, you know, and I'm not doing a lot of um, reporting or editorial work in that way now, but I think that background um, helps me um, discern in, in what I'm doing. And, and I think that I'm constantly growing and learning and learning how there have been ways that I have not gotten it right, <laughs> that, mm -hmm. I, that I have messed up, that I have fallen into um, traps of white saviorism, um, or of not listening or, you know, being, um, acting like I am a voice for somebody when somebody else has their own voice. And so that, you know, in 15 years, I, I can look back and, and say, there are things I've, I did that I know better now and, and I will do better. Um, so I think we're all just kind of on the journey, figuring it out, you know? Yeah. I think that's a really important thing to acknowledge because I think that fear of doing it wrong or making a mistake is what holds a lot of people back from advocating for others because it's not like they teach you how to do that in high school, you know, yeah. like even as Christians, that's not really like, we're just told that we are supposed to, but we're not really given a blueprint or guidelines for what that might look like in different situations. And it's really hard to put yourself out there in a public way, especially on social media, when you might be getting it wrong. So I think it's really important that you even acknowledge that like, oh, yeah, I have gotten it wrong. And then I learned and now I'm still doing it. <laughs> like I'm right. Like you, you haven't you haven't given up on trying to advocate for people just because there have been missteps along the way. Like you've taken those experiences and learned from them and brought them into your knowledge and how you can help others today. Yeah, I, d I just think that if we fall into that mindset of I need to be perfect before I can ever say anything or come alongside someone, then we'll never do anything, <laughs> you know? Mm -hmm. uh, totally. That is definitely something that I fall into. I want to know everything before I get started. And that's, I mean, just not physically possible. 
itself. Right. And that, you know, relates to creativity too. If you mm-hmm. feel like you need to have the perfect desk and the perfect quiet space, um, you'll never start writing. <laughs> or if you need to, you know, do all this research before you sit down and write and, oh, I just need to do this one more thing. And you'll probably never get it done. Right. And sometimes we yes. just have to start somewhere and take, take that step. Oh, that is the truth. So you do a really great job of using your creativity, being both a writer and someone who's in the podcasting space. Um, you've really been able to harness your creative gifts to make a difference for others. So I'm curious in what ways that's been possible for you? Like in what ways have you been able to see like, oh, I I seem to have a passion for this thing and a talent for this thing. How have you discovered how you can leverage that for others? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, Well, on Upside Down Podcast, I am proud of how we have become very intentional about the guests that join us and the leaders and the activists and the artists and the authors who we sit at the feet of. Um, So, you know, if I have a podcast, how can I use that to help everybody, help me, help all of us who are listening to learn, to grow, to listen to somebody who has something important to say, maybe speaking um, from the perspective of somebody who has been marginalized who has who has researched and walked with um, a certain group of people you know so I think those conversations um, have been a gift and it's a gift to get to steward those stories Um, for two years I worked for preemptive love on um, developing a podcast and doing storytelling where you know we talked about hard things we talked about um refugees and and vulnerable people and making sure to as much as we could let somebody speak in their own voice and just just give them the mic you know and um and making sure that we're just continuing to broaden our world especially right now pandemic time our worlds can feel really small and when we read something or we listen to something that expands our horizons um, it can be such a gift and then we can grow in compassion and empathy and understanding because we have we have seen it or we have heard it or we've experienced it Um, I read all the time and it's because I want to experience the world from somebody else's perspective. And I know you guys are both readers too. Um, but, but, you know, I just, I feel so deeply that, um, you know, data or statistics are not always going to change somebody's mind, but maybe a story will. And I just feel like there's such a power in storytelling. That is so good. And so true. <laughs> yeah. And just, Practically speaking, too, you've been writing on the internet and sharing on the internet and producing podcasts, and now you're going to start producing. You just, I don't know, we're recording this in October, and you just, I think this week, announced that you are going to start producing the podcast for Sacred Ordinary Days, which really, I mean, ties into your, I'm going to say, you know, upcoming book, but a project that you've been working (laughs) on for a while now. Yeah. Yeah. so how, I mean, I, this is this is kind of off of our little outline here, but how have you been able to, I guess, 
connect with people who are in the same, I guess, heart space as you? Like, how have you stumbled in to the the places where your voice and your talents is, talents have been able to be used really effectively? Like, is there any kind of, um, and not formula, but any like advice you would have for someone who's like, I'm really passionate about X. I don't know how to get involved. Have you figured out like any kind of course of action that has helped you do that? Mm. I think partly it's finding, um, you know, the people that are in the sphere that you would like to contribute to, that you would like to be co-creators with and showing up, you know, and, and using social media, not just a, here's what I'm putting out into the world, but connecting with what other people are doing and the work that they're doing and, you know, appreciating their work too. And, and kind of, um, so one of my jobs is a previous life and my reporting was to be the title was mobile journalist and it was for the Des Moines Register which maybe you've heard during caucus times (laughs) um with the Iowa caucuses but my job was every day to fill a page in the print newspaper and talking about networking and and um it was in the business section. And I really learned the power of connecting with other people and not being afraid to reach out and say, I love what you're doing. I, w- I would love to learn more. And, and just kind of creating that connection and the social element behind um, the work that you see people doing. And when they're sharing their heart or their work or their creation, you know, appreciating it and, and sharing it and not having a scarcity mentality um, about whatever kind of creative work you're doing, but really just amplifying and um, encouraging another. Um, I think that then cultivates space um, that other people will, you know, pay attention, you know, to what, to what you're doing too and say, you know, like, well, I, I really like, appreciated that when when somebody cared for me and for the work that I'm doing and maybe they'll um, pay a little bit more attention to you know maybe what you've got going on too and and then you know you have to actually do the creative work of of, of showing up and stewarding the work. Um, Madeline Lingle is my go-to all the time for all of this <laughs> and she she talks about right right she talks about feeding the lake and I think when we have that mentality of what we're writing what we're working on what we're creating as feeding the lake then we realize that other people are feeding the lake too and ours is just one part of um, many yeah that's such a great way to think of it and it Kind of reminds me of that, like very overused saying, but the the rising tide lifts all boats. You know, it's not um, a competition with other people, but mm-hmm. if you view it as um, everybody just having kind of a different perspective, but working towards similar things and similar creative goals, similar types of advocacy, um, you can find ways to connect and collaborate and support each other and encourage each other. Um in ways that are just really, I don't know, really inspiring, I guess, really, um, I don't I'm even really know. waiting for you to drop the word synergy. 
<laughs> well, I'm like, I'm trying to come up with like a not cheesy way to... This will to... be our bridge to the business podcast world right here. <laughs> <laughs> I need like a non-cheesy way to phrase that like, you know, sometimes things do seem really like synergy or whatever. Like if you're connecting with people on the internet, like sometimes it does just feel like it's someone trying to do a sleazy business deal, right? Um, and I think that there's you've just shown and what you just explained that there are so many ways to connect with people who are kind of on that same playing field as you without being skeezy and just all about what's in it for me. Right. Yeah. Don't be creepy. (laughs) (laughs) Cause we can all see right through that. Right. You know, I think even if we're connecting on our phones, we have to remember that we're actual real human beings, you know, and honor that in each other. So, you know, in today's world, there is just a lot to advocate for. So how do you choose? How do you prioritize? Is this something that you ever think about or get kind of like bogged down by? Hmm. Yeah, that's a good question. I think that I can care deeply about people and about um systems that do not honor people but I feel like I just enter the day with an open heart of God help me love you and love others and I and that I try to pay attention to where people are hurting where people are vulnerable where they're being marginalized or taken advantage of where there are abuses of power where, you know, lives are not being honored. Um, And then I try to, you know, do what I can to help alleviate the pain or suffering, to stand alongside those who are hurting. Um, Yeah, so it's not just like, well, this is the one thing I'm going to advocate for, you know what I mean? But it's more just like a, a holistic approach of trying to love God and others and, um, trying to pay attention and stay awake and not turn my eyes when I feel um, uncomfortable or overwhelmed. Mm. And, and of course, you know, we, we take care of ourselves and we have to know when it's time to turn off the phone and turn, turn off the screens and to rest. And that's all part of, you know, what I believe to be a healthy spiritual life. But I also believe that um, this is, you know, God's heart is, is for, um, the flourishing of all people. And, you know, it doesn't take a lot to look into our world, into our country right now and see that there are so many who are suffering, um, seeing that it's not an equal playing field, um, for people. And, you know, like I, I care really, really deeply about that. I care my kids, I have black kids, I have a biracial daughter, I have white kids, um, and I want this world to be better for them. And so, um, yeah, I just, I just want there to be racial equity. Um, you know, there's so many things that I want for this world and I, I, um, easily disillusioned or fall into a trap of thinking, I am God, I'm going to fix it all, right? Which is kind of what we talked about a little bit in the beginning, but just knowing I am not God, but God is with me and God is with us in our pain and in our suffering. And um, yeah, there's just some things, a lot of things that I can't 
be silent about. <laughs> yeah. And I think that when you when you see those things that you can't be silent about, or I think that sometimes God brings your attention to those things, mm-hmm. right? Like he he puts the right people in your path at the right time and he draws your attention to the things that he wants you to speak out for and the things that he wants you to care about. So transitioning a little bit, you've got a new book coming out next year in 2021, which hopefully will feel like a whole different world by then. Yeah, I know, right? (laughs) And your book is full of prayers for parents, which I love. So when did you start writing prayers specifically for the parents in your life? And when did it become something that you just had to keep going with? It became such a, a passion that it became a book. Yeah, but is something that I'm super, super excited about. And I'm so, you know, we all just want this pandemic to be over for like 1 billion reasons. Um, But one of it is um, I would love to, you know, come visit my friends across the country and get to like tangibly hand someone a book, you know, after all of this digital, you know, stuff. I'm grateful for technology, but um, there's something about being together and opening up um, a book that's paper that's bound you know there's just Mm -hmm. something really tangible um about that that is such a gift that I'm, I'm really looking forward to but I had this idea to create um written prayers and I was praying for my kids and as I mentioned I have four kids they're all very different they're all amazing and help me grow and see the world in different ways from the different ways that they see the world um, and challenge me <laughs> and have their own challenges and and I was up and I couldn't sleep and I, I'm not great at praying and I just was like Oh God, I wish I had the words. I wish I had the words. And I remembered um, when my daughter Eliza was in the hospital, she was very, very sick. And I received a book of short modern prayers. And those helped me because I wanted to pray so desperately, but I did not have the words to pray. And being able to pray somebody else's words kind of sustained me in that moment because I was exhausted because I was overwhelmed and I felt like I wanted to pray, but I didn't know how. And so as I'm laying in bed, that time has passed and my daughter is okay. Praise God. But I'm thinking about my four kids and thinking, what about if I had some prayers that were written that I could, you know, pray for them that didn't ignore the pain of life. It didn't, um, you know, just kind of gloss over and put these like rainbows and ribbons and, and butterflies over um, kind of the real hurts of the world, like what we've been talking about. Right. And I just had this idea. What about if I wrote these kind of modern liturgies for parents? And so I started an Instagram account um, as one and- does. Yes, of course. And just kind of was like, I wonder if there's any interest for something like this. And there was. And I wrote a book proposal. And um, yeah, a lot of things happened in between now and then. And as this was all as the world was shutting down before my eyes. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I'm so, so thrilled to have written a collection of prayers for um, people with kids in their lives and um, prayers with nuance, prayers that do not ignore um, 
the pains of this world, but really kind of lean in and also prayers that just see the, the beauty in the ordinary. Um, and, and something that's really rude in me this year is just kind of the liturgical rhythms. So kind of the rhythms of the church calendar and the life of Christ um, and, and just kind of having some, some rootedness, you know, church is so weird right now. Um, (laughs) My husband's a pastor and I have, um, we have kids that are immunocompromised. So we have been home and streaming is just not, not the same. Like that's not really why we gather together is for like um, an entertaining sermon, you know? So Anyway, the liturgical rhythms have really rooted me, um, and and some of that is incorporated in the book as well. And I'm just really excited to see it um, kind of come to fruition. And hopefully, it's a book that people can you know keep on their nightstands or throw throw in a bag as they're going to school pickup and just have um, just one more tool in the toolbox to kind of stay connected um, with God and just kind of stay awake to the the holiness that's happening um, right in front of us that we sometimes forget to see. Yeah, I'm envisioning this as being a great book to gift new parents if you're at mm. um, like a baby shower or something and you always have like the thing from the registry and then you want to throw in something more personal. Um, I'm just like, I mean, the book isn't out yet, but I'm just going <laughs> to. I love that more. idea. <laughs> it would probably be great for that. Um, I'm Catholic and we have a lot of, I'm going to say pre-written prayers. We have a lot of prayers that we rely on that are other people's words. And it can be really comforting, like you said, mm. to turn to those um, when other, when your own words are failing you, you know, it's yeah. kind of nice to yeah. have that. And I love that you have written prayers with nuance like you said that you've given this thoughtfulness to them so that they're not just glossed over um kind of meaningless words mm-hmm. like right. I, I love that so much your heart behind this oh thank you and I'm kind of on the opposite end of the spectrum I well for one I will say like prayer is extremely hard for me too so you are not alone in that Kayla I oh good <laughs> I have what I call squirrel brain and I will be praying and then I will not be. And I like Mm -hmm. 20 minutes later, I'm coming up with some solution for something. And that is not prayer. So, uh, (laughs) I was also raised Baptist and that Mm -hmm. is an extremely not liturgical tradition. Yes. And we, last year, my husband and I made the decision to like leave the church we were at and look for something different. And so like in the middle of a pandemic, we're also in between churches, which is a really, really weird place to be, but Mm. we've been attending and I'm air quoting that attending like virtual attending a Lutheran church, which does incorporate more of those written prayers, or at least says like the same prayers every service and they become, I don't know, like part of your routine. And that has been like a different world, but also really, really nice. And I feel like especially in 2020 when so many of us just don't have words for what's going on. I think written prayers are absolutely, I mean, a godsend. And I mean that like literally and figuratively, like it has just (laughs) been so nice to be able to look at a screen, open a book, whatever, and recite words that mean something that you're not having to come up with on your own because we're all frazzled and we don't have the words for this moment at all. Yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I'll just say while people wait for the book to come out and um, 2020 is still as it has been <laughs> um, kind of a mess, um, I'll put in a plug also for your Instagram account um, that we will link to in the show notes, uh, Liturgies for Parents. It's just sometimes if I'm having a bad day, I just scroll through there and I'm like, which one? <laughs> which one fits? <laughs> yes. Um, I've turned to that account many, many times and um, it's it's just kind of a nice grounding little like, let's take a deep breath and talk to God for like two seconds. Mm-hmm. Um, so I would encourage people to look that up too if you're having a, a tough time this year with literally anything, as I'm sure we all are. <laughs> So I know you have long championed kids having access to diverse toys and books where they can see themselves and whether that is their unique skin color or their unique capabilities. And this year, as we have, I mean, collectively across the United States and across the world, really learned about the deaths of people like George Floyd and Breonna Taylor and Ahmaud Arbery. And I mean, the list goes on and on and on. These people across the nation are engaging with discussions on racism and reconciliation. We've really started paying attention like we never have before. People are were flooded in June with suggestions of how to diversify their bookshelves and their children's toys and all of these kinds of things. But six months later, we really want to make sure that we're still pushing for that in our own homes, like Ashley and I are saying this. And then also any of our listeners who are like, okay, that push was great, but now what do I do? Do you, we, this episode is going to air in December and we'd really love if you could share with our audience, any kind of gift ideas you have as we approach the holidays that are going to help people, I guess, keep on this path of making sure that not only do, you know, black kids and brown kids have toys that look like them, but also white kids can see more people of color in their world and come to recognize that as, I mean, a norm and something to welcome. I know you said earlier in the podcast that you have black kids and you have kids with special needs. And I just feel like you have a really great perspective on the things you invite, actively invite into your home to make sure that those kids feel just as represented as any other. Mm. Well, as I think about, you know, Advent and Christmas, something that is very important to me is the way that our family has Jesus represented through imagery in our home. Um, So, you know, knowing what we know, we know Jesus had brown skin. He's a Middle Eastern man, right? So Mm -hmm. really being intentional about finding nativities that, um, you know, don't just have these, you know, very pale, light skin, white Jesus with blue eyes and blonde hair, you know, like really um, kind of being intentional about that. Um, And I have a couple different sets that are from different places around the world. I have this sweet little one um, from Peru that is like uh, clay. And then we have other ones that are from I believe we have a set from Kenya. Um, And just seeing that, I think, is really special because at a young age, our kids could, you know, if they think of the divine as being someone 
with brown or black skin, I think that's going to, you know, affect how they see their fellow humans with brown or black skin, right? And then for, you know, kids of color um, to see themselves represented um, in Jesus, I I think is really, really powerful because a lot of times in in our culture, um, we are pretty whitewashed, right? Like you were saying. So that's um, one thing. And my second thing is that if you are um, buying books, I have just a couple of things that I have learned along the way. One is to um, buy books written by Black, Indigenous people of color for your kids, not just like a white person and one of the characters, you know, like happens to be brown or Black. Um, so really kind of being intentional with supporting um, authors. And the second thing would be um, to not just have books where there are quote-unquote diverse um, characters struggling with like racial tension or slavery you know what I mean like normalizing that they're like that (laughs) black people and brown people have joy you know and and are part of um, our neighborhood and our world and our families Um, and you know like something that I like to find is, you know, books that include just really healthy, um, beautiful pictures of community involvement and family, um, books that represent families that don't look like ours, that, um, you know, like you were saying, it's so important for white kids um, to see things beyond their families too, you know, like this is not just important for, um, kids that are black or indigenous or other people of color. So those are kind of my um, suggestions. There are a lot of great, you know, speaking of Instagram accounts um, led by black women that talk about quality, um, diverse books. One that I really like is Here We Read and it's here and then we with two E's and read and um, she just posts, posts amazing, thoughtful um, book suggestions and reviews and links. Um, so I try to, I'm not an expert, but I consider myself a listener and a learner um, and try to incorporate some of those things um, into our lives. And of course, you know, dolls and, and we, I have three boys and one girl and my daughter is not super interested in dolls, but you know, all of that um, representation um, matters, but you know, it's, it's just that a small part in the work of um, learning to be anti-racist and I am on a journey on it just like we all are. Yes. Those are great tips. And I think especially um, the Instagram account for us to follow here, we read um, for book advice. I'm pretty sure I follow that account too, because I think it would be really easy to slip into as a well-meaning white parent Um, Like you said, it would be easy to slip into giving your kids only books about, you know, black people overcoming hardships or slavery or that kind of thing. And although that's important for them to know about, that's not how you want them. That's not the only way that you want them to look at their fellow people, like the fellow humans. Like that's not what I want my kids to see when they look at people of color. I don't want them to see that and just think of 
all the terrible things that have happened over the years. I want them to see a person with dignity and value created by God, you know? Yeah. So we know that you have got your book coming out. What else is next for you in your advocacy and your creativity? Oh my goodness. Well, as we kind of mentioned, I just accepted a new role with Sacred Ordinary Days, which I am so thrilled about. And I just feel like God has been really gracious uh, with me to be able to step into that role. Um, Sacred Ordinary Days is um, kind of a a community. And one aspect is a planner that kind of the goal is to cultivate peace and presence and purpose. And I like leaned on that planner so much as I was working on my book this summer. Um, And and it was really such a gift to me. And as you guys are book lovers, um, there's a shop that has just like every book that I would recommend. Like there's so many great um, books and resources that's part of Sacred Ordinary Days. And when I found out the founder, Jen, um, was looking to kind of breathe new life into their podcast and looking up for a producer, it was just such a such a great fit. And so our plan is to start um, in Advent and um, kind of take this look, intentional look into what this season means in this year and in this time. Um, and I'm really, really excited about that. And I'm working on book edits <laughs> so we can get this book um, ready to go. And I also am a freelance writer. Um, I've been doing a lot of writing for PBS Kids for Parents, uh, which has been really fun and um, a really an enjoyable um, place to be spending my writing energy as well. And I'm just trying to be a good neighbor, teach my kids to um, love our neighbors. And even in these times, um, you know, the choice that we have made to keep everybody home, um, we're home a lot, (laughs) all the time. And we've been that way since March. Um, But, you know, teaching our kids that for us, that's a way that um, we can love our neighbors. So, that's kind of what is on the docket for me. It is really weird to have this like opportunity to be living out our faith in such a visible and memorable way right now by staying mm-hmm. home to protect ourselves, our community, and everyone who who doesn't have that option. And that is something that I just keep sitting in in this paradox of this absolute utter privilege to be at home and to stay home and to still keep my job while at home Mm -hmm. and all of those things while it is both benefiting me and then also benefiting the community it 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 has been a learning year for sure in so so many ways so thank you for that reminder that this is a way that we're loving our neighbor and this is a way that we are showing our children what that actively look like looks like in our everyday right now. Mm. So you've mentioned a couple times that you are a fellow book lover. So we love to close out every episode with a little mini book club where we ask you to share something that you have been reading lately that you've really loved or something that's really impacted your creative life. So what book would you like to share with us today? 
Oh my goodness. Well, we could like really do a second episode where we just talk about <laughs> books and I would love to talk with you both because I know you're both readers and <laughs> um, and I read a lot of fiction. I love sitting down with a, a good novel. But um, the book that I was going to share today is a book that is a collection of writing from Madeline Lingle and it's reflections on a writing life and just is just this curated collection of everything she wrote about kind of spiritual writing life. And it's broken up into chapters and each page just is like a paragraph or two of a certain thing that maybe she wrote in a newspaper or a book or in a talk she did or in a writing class. And it's just like such a gift. And I, my copy I've been trying to pace myself, but I've like dog-eared and underlined and like called out to my like husband. Well, you got to listen to this. Isn't that like exactly something that I needed to hear right now? <laughs> but I just feel like three minutes ago. <laughs> yes, exactly. And I feel like um, just a, a connection, like a kindred spirit um, and so much of, of her writing. And it just is um a, a real gift because she she writes about you know she was writing in the 60s so there was a lot going on in the 60s that's really similar to what's going on in our current context here and in 2020 and she talks about motherhood and creativity and faith and and just just such such a gift so I wanted to recommend that yes we are both very big fans of Madeline Lingal um I think I've read, I don't think I've read that one. I've read Walking on Water, which is, which is so, oh my goodness. Yes. Another book of hers <laughs> about like the creative writing life and reflections. Um, but it's like, you can't get enough of her. Every time you read one of her books again, you find new things. I'm pretty sure I have yes. the whole thing underlined by now. <laughs> yep. A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. What have you been reading lately, Ashley? Yeah, this is like a little bit of a fail for me. So I've been having a really hard time concentrating on reading lately. And I think it's just a byproduct of the world that we're in right now and the speed of our news cycle. And so I'm going to give a shout out to um, supporting journalism because I've been reading a lot <laughs> of newspapers and um, like we subscribe to our local Sunday paper uh, that we actually get like the print edition of. So my kids walk around with the comics and then my husband and I sit there and like read sections out loud to each other, like some old timey couple. <laughs> um, but uh, I would really encourage people to support either your local newspaper, local journalism, or else. Um, I also recently subscribed to the Washington Post because I kept trying to click on links to their articles from Twitter and getting <laughs> blocked. And I was like, I should maybe just subscribe. Um, and I found out that if you're an Amazon Prime member, you can get the first 28 days of your subscription for free. And then um, if you continue your subscription from there on a monthly basis, uh, Amazon will deliver it to your Kindle. So it's, you know, you can either read it online or you can read it on your Kindle, which has been a nice option for me to kind of like try to stay off my phone <laughs> um, and just dive into one article here and there. Um, but yeah, that's that's honestly what I've been reading lately has been the news, which is depressing. I'm trying to break out of that. I'm I'm working on getting into some other books to hopefully break me out of that rut this month but it's it's been tough <laughs> no 
for sure, most definitely. And I found myself doing uh, something similar within the last few weeks. And I decided that I just needed a fluffy book to like something to look forward to reading. Like I've been reading a lot of nonfiction, mm. which is great, but you don't like yeah. look forward to being convicted when you pick up a book. Like that's maybe not the uh, mentality that us humans have been gifted with. But I picked up a friend that lent me a book and she like actually sent it to me in the mail and said, you need to borrow this one. Here you go. And so I finally picked it up off my shelf. It's been a few months since she did this and it was a delight. And I, guys, I got up early this week to read oh this book. Oh my goodness. Impressive. Like this is like I'm the gateway drug. I'm dying to know what this book is. <laughs> this is the gateway drug for getting me to like get up early again. But it's um, the Jane Austen Society by Natalie Jenner. And at first I was like pretty skeptical because there's so many Jane Austen knockoffs, like right. book knockoffs about her, or you know, spinoffs and that kind of thing. I was like, well, I mean, I trust this friend. I'll read it. And it was so sweet and like predictable in the way that you need something to be predictable right now. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to. Oh, yeah. I borrowed my mom's. Um, cable login so I could stream a Hallmark movie, which is like not really my personality, but I was like, I need this right now. (laughs) Sometimes you need the fluff. (laughs) Yes. You need everything to be wrapped up and everyone to be happy within an hour. Like just make it happen. Right. (laughs) So see, I'm highly recommending this one. I think both of you would probably enjoy it. Although maybe Ashley, you don't like happy endings. Do you, would you accept a happy ending in today's world? I mean, in today's world, I might like all okay. bets are off right now. I read, right. um, like I read some pretty sweet like young adult rom com type of things over the summer that were, um, very uh, very much so a nice break from the news cycle and reality. So maybe right now this is like the only time I like books with happy endings. <laughs> Well, there you go. I really enjoyed this one. It was also well-written, and you can't always say that about a fluffy book. So I will say it was well-written, and it had like a surprising amount of depth in a book that's also basically about a bunch of fangirls about Jane Austen. So mm, I'll leave that there. Sweet. If you like Jane Austen remotely, pick up this book. You will be rewarded. I was going to tell you, I don't know if... If we've connected yet on Goodreads, but that's where I kind of track all my books and I love kind of getting that peek into what other people are reading. So I'll have to share my yeah. link with you. Yeah, We can put that in the show notes and definitely, I don't know if I'm friends. Is it friends on Goodreads? It's friends. I don't know. I don't know how that works, <laughs> but I will make sure that we are friends by the time I get off my computer tonight. <laughs> yes, I will do that too. Cause we, I think Abby and I both keep track of our books usually pretty closely on Goodreads. So yeah, that'll yeah, be fun. Every it's now always, and again. I like seeing what people are reading. <laughs> Me too. Yeah. I introduced my husband, Scott, to Goodreads this year. And he's like, you mean this is how I can remember what I've read? I was like, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, so he has he has started Goodreads account and he has been logging all of his, his spy novels on Goodreads. <laughs> so, That's so great. <laughs> I love the year in books at the very end of the year that you get to see everything you read and what you reviewed and how they make like that beautiful infographic. I just it like my nerd heart swells. Yes, (laughs) yes, yes, yes. 
So that and like the Spotify year in review when they tell you, mm, I mean, yes. the song that you listen to most often, I can predict this year's, it will be Moana because that is the <laughs> only thing that Arthur <laughs> wants to listen to. What should we listen to? Moana. The one that Maui sings. <laughs> like, we, oh, song <laughs> that's so cute. <laughs> yeah. Well, thank you so much for being here, Kayla. This was a delight to talk to you. And like you said, we could talk about books for about four hours. So we should probably pull the plug now before we all miss our bedtimes. That's so true. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to let people know before we go um, where they can find and follow you online? And then we'll put all the links in the show notes too, of course. Sure. Yeah. I'll try to make this quick. Right. So on Instagram, my personal Instagram is Kayla underscore Craig and liturgies for parents is just straight up liturgies for parents on Instagram as well. I also have um, a newsletter because I know some of us are not as obsessed with social media as I am and have way better boundaries. So if, if you want that to just kind of show up in your um, inbox from time to time, you can do that. Um, and then UpsideDownPodcast.com. You can find us on your podcast app, wherever you're listening to this one. We talk about um, faith and spirituality and justice and God's upside down kingdom. Really grateful for everybody who has joined us. We're a collaborative ecumenical podcast. And then soon, Sacred Ordinary Days will be back up and running. And I'm really excited about that, too. Yay. I have so many Excellent. podcasts to go listen to. I know. I know. <laughs> <laughs> and we don't drive anywhere anymore. That's a struggle. Uh, I right? Yeah. I not to any of them. <laughs> I know. <laughs> well, thank you again for joining us. This has been such a really great conversation. And um, we just so appreciate you coming on and sharing all of your advice and your heart with our listeners. I'm really honored. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks for listening to the Chasing Creative podcast. If you like what you heard in this episode, be sure to stop by ChasingCreative.com to check out the show notes, catch up on past episodes, and subscribe to the podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, we'd love it if you'd leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. You can also join in the creative conversation by tweeting to us at Abigail E. Creeds or at Brooks Editorial or by using the hashtag ChasingCreative on Twitter and Instagram. If you have any feedback for us, drop us a line at chasingcreativepodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening. Until next week, go chase your creative.